I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Helen, one of your hosts, and welcome if this is the first time you've listened to the podcast. We have run this podcast weekly since I think 2017 was when we started it. If it's your first time here, there are a few episodes to catch up on. Sarah and I have covered everything from interviews to how to manage your manager, how to get better at feedback, how to cope with change and uncertainty, which definitely feels like this year has been a reality. Lots and lots of things to help you in your career. And if you've been here before, then thank you. Welcome back. This is our final episode in our Ask the Expert series. And these were conversations we wanted to have with people where we really focused on a specific skill that we thought was relevant for people at work right now. In the context of today's conversation, I think there are very few pinch yourself moments in your career. Those moments where you're like, am I really doing this? This is brilliant. And today's conversation is definitely one of those. So you will hear me talking to Seth Godin about ideas. And until Sarah and I started our business Amazing If back in 2012, and then it it actually became my full-time role in 2018, my career had been in marketing. And Seth Godin is a leading voice for marketeers. He's an entrepreneur, he's a best-selling author and a speaker. He's launched one of the most popular blogs in the world. He's actually written 19 best-selling books, quite daunting as we are embarking on the writing of our second one. And um, some of his books really have been most influential for me are Lynchpin, Purple Cow, I mean how to name a book, hey, and Tribes, all amazing, amazing books that have really helped me. And his wisdom isn't just for marketeers though. If you are someone who values creativity, ideas and innovation his insights are incredibly helpful and in our conversation we're really focusing on ideas how we can create idea rich environments and I think this episode is a great build on the conversation I had about habits two weeks ago with James Clear so if you're thinking oh I love what Seth said about ideas and I really want to create some habits to support some of the things that he talks about maybe have a listen to that episode as well I will link it in the description for you. Two more things before we get started, and then I promise we'll crack on with the conversation. The first thing is I'm a big fan of Seth, if that hasn't come through already, and I think you can hear a combination of my nerves and excitement in this conversation. But at least you know that we're not trying to be something else in these conversations that Sarah and I have, so hopefully it's genuine and not a distraction. And the second thing is I just want to say a really, really big thank you to the Booper Foundation. It has been brilliant to partner with them for this Ask the Expert series. Please 
please do check out their work. They're an amazing charity focused on helping people live longer, healthier and happier lives. And since 2015, the Bieber Foundation has actually awarded over £3 million in grants to more than 110 organisations across the UK to improve health and wellbeing. I'll put their link as well in the description. And you might also be interested in listening to their brand new podcast, which is called Resilience Brilliance. You can find that everywhere you find your podcast, everywhere you find Squiggly, you will find that podcast. So now let's get started with this conversation with Seth and then I will be back at the end to say goodbye. Seth, welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here. I thought we could get straight into this topic of ideas and I wanted to talk about a quote that is in your new book The Practice where you say the industrial system we all live out in is outcome based it's about guaranteed productivity in exchange for soul numbing pre-directed labour in the context of these outcome based environments what do you think is the impact of that on cultures where we might want more ideas and more creativity Well, creativity, I define as doing generous human work that might not work. Because if you're sure it's going to work, it's not creative. It's the might part that's hard. And that's why we seek reassurance. That's why we invented writer's block. That's why we give grades in school. That's why the whole idea of a career being squiggly somehow feels off because it's supposed to be a straight line. Because if you do what you're supposed to do, you're going to get what you're supposed to get. None of that is true. It's all nonsense. That in fact, What we need to do, particularly during times of change, particularly during times when people want to retreat, is be generous enough to show up with something that might not work, regardless of whether or not it works, we get to do it again. So it doesn't mean you're entitled to succeed with whatever you do, but it means that you can't reverse engineer everything. Because if you try to reverse engineer it and say, I'll do this if it's guaranteed to work, then you're back in school asking the question, will this be on the test? Because the question, will this be on the test, means I don't want to do it, but if you promise me an A, I'll pay attention. And that's no way to live your life. I would love to know if you had a perspective on how we create organizational cultures where ideas can thrive. Like, What do we do that kills them and what do we do that cultivates them in companies? So I think there are two ways to create cultures of ideas. One of them is be creative or you're fired. And there have certainly been examples of that. There were people who were summarily dismissed at Apple on a regular basis because they just wanted to be told what to do. I think it's more humane to create the other kind of environment. It is not one of reassurance. It is not where you tell people whatever they're working on is going to work because that's just lying. It is a culture of belief. People like us do things like this, that when you walk into this place, you start to believe that it is possible, that the uphill battle is not as uphill as it might be somewhere else, that expectations are set, that the kind of person that we hire and that we hang out with is the kind of person who cares enough to do something that might not work. I think there's an interesting relationship between ego and ideas where people fall in love with their ideas and they become so attached to it, even if it might not be a very good idea. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about what you think about ego and ideas and when ideas should be killed. So ego strength is important and has almost nothing to say against it. Ego strength is belief. But ego, just for its own sake, means you need proof. You start acting like a diva. 
it means you stop listening to signals from the marketplace. That is a real problem. So when I talk about attachment, I'm bringing up someone like Chung Young Trump from Rinpoche, who said, the bad news is that we are falling and falling and falling. But the good news is there's nothing to hold on to. And once you acknowledge that there is nothing to hold on to, then you stop seeking something to hold on to. And that is the key to attachment or unattachment, to say, I made the best record album I could, and I'm not going to pay attention to the reviews because I already made the record album. I'm not attached to whether you like it or not. I will learn from whether you like it or not, but I am not sitting here willing it to work because that is a waste of my cycles. I also have a, a kind of a thing that goes around my head about the idea of idea alchemy. So my business partner, Sarah, is amazing at ideas. I mean, she generates them constantly. She shares them regularly. There's an overwhelming number of ideas. I am good at putting ideas into action. So I think if I didn't have Sarah, I wouldn't have that stimulus to be able to make things happen. And if she didn't have me, she'd probably have this like bank of lots of ideas that might not go to as many places. And so I see this kind of like idea alchemy, as I would call it, where you have two people that have these quite different skills and they make ideas happen. And I wondered whether you thought that that was really good in teams, that we should try to cultivate these different skill sets to take an idea from something in someone's head to something that's a reality. Or actually, it would be better if one individual was able to do that for themselves so they, their ideas weren't dependent on it connecting to another person. Well, first, I'll put a small pin in one thing you said, which is you have just as many ideas as she does. Your ideas are just different. She just has ideas that are easier to call ideas, but you are both extraordinarily creative. I think appropriate partnerships are magic and part of what makes us human. And there are very few examples of people who can go from soup to nuts, very few. And creating an environment of mutual respect and forward motion, don't blow that. That's great. And no, I don't think it's for everyone to think of the new UI, but I think that it's for everyone to say, this could get better. Where am I going to contribute? It reminds me of something that I heard Adam Grant say on a podcast where when you talk about it as magic, you know, when you find this sort of magic and this the thing I call like alchemy. And he talked about when teams are really effective, what tends to happen in organizations is that they promote an individual from that team to go and do something else. And in doing so, you sort of destroy this magic of the team. And the, the podcast that I was listening to, he was like proposing promoting the team because there's something magic going on in that team that you should keep. Yeah. And it may be that we've misunderstood what promotion even means. A pyramid by its nature has different things happening near the, whatever you call the top versus whatever you call the bottom. And the industrial system uses that structure to offer status and money to people who comply. But a team that's thriving is probably spinning off plenty of value. And you can probably give those people their fair share of that value without doing that thing of, oh, now you stop creating and you start managing, because that is where the real problem comes when we start promoting people, is we take them away from the work and get them to just tell other people what to do. In my mind, I'm thinking about the quality of ideas. And I know that you there's a quote in your book where you say, you don't need more good ideas, you need more bad ideas. And befriending your bad ideas is a useful way forward. 
I think we often try to sweep the bad ideas under the carpet. So the idea of befriending them sort of intrigued me. I'd love to know a little bit more about why that's a good thing from your perspective for people to do. If the bad ideas are your enemy and you are afraid of them or they are afraid of you, they won't show up. And if they don't show up, they're going to block the good ideas that are standing right behind them in line. If, on the other hand, you say, for every eight bad ideas, a good one comes along, you should applaud every bad idea because it's one step closer to a good one. And so the bad idea is a vindication that you are a trained professional who's willing to work their way through things that might be a little embarrassing on their way to the good stuff. And, you know, I've failed more than most people. I am thrilled at all of those failures. My colleague and friend, the late Isaac Asimov, the man who invented the modern robot, published 400 books in his lifetime. And he told me the way he did it was he sat down every single day in his living room with a manual typewriter and typed for six and a half hours. And almost all of that typing was worthless, but he didn't know what was worthless until after he typed it. So treating ideas is more like something you play with. So you put it out into the world to see whether it connects with what someone else is thinking, to see whether it finds its audience, to see whether people enroll with that idea. Is that what we should be doing more, just putting small ideas in and seeing what catches and not worrying about the quality of the idea, but kind of the more you do, the more you'll see what catches? Well, except to use the word quality, which is another trap, because quality means three different things. Quality might mean expensiveness, like Louis Vuitton, um, luxury goods. But quality could also mean what it's supposed to mean, which is suitable for its purpose and keeping its promise. So if someone says, what's a better quality car, a Rolls Royce or a Toyota Corolla? The correct answer is a Toyota because it reliably does what it said it was going to do. Whereas the luxury brand definition is a Rolls Royce, but we're talking right now about suitability. And then there is the quality of perfect, which is not about quality at all. The quality of perfect is a place to hide because it will never be perfect. So we don't ship crap, but what we do is show up and say, I made this, I need to find out if I'm on the right track. How do I do that? So, you know, if you think about, I don't know which part of Virgin you worked for, but let's say it was the airlines. All the planes are the same, right? He made a mistake with some of the reclining seats that cost hundreds of millions of dollars. But what many people who flew Virgin remembered were the little silver salt and pepper shakers. How much did it cost to find out if the silver salt and pepper shakers were a good idea? Just make a set for one flight, see what happens. It's not a life or death decision, just see what happens. If you wanna figure out the best way to greet a customer who's arriving for a flight, try it out on 30 people in a row, see what happens. The risk is really low, other than the noise in your head. What do you think are the best inputs that people listening to this podcast could start to spend time with, whether it's people or things or sources, whatever it is that can stimulate more ideas for them? So to be clear, the first six months I had a blog, 100 people read it. Every blog starts with fewer than 100 people, every single one. So you don't get to a million unless you start with 100. What would I suggest people do is you need to figure out who you're going to make a promise to and what the promise is. So you can say to the people you work with, every Monday, I'm bringing in nine crazy ideas. And now you're doing it for six people, but you're still on the hook. You can say, I'm going to start a podcast, but I'm not going to put my name on it. 
but there's going to be a podcast from me every day or every week. I got zero risk because they're never going to know who it was. And I'm just going to speak something once a week. And there it is, a testament. You can do Julia Cameron's morning pages and no one will ever see them and see how long your streak can go. But the point here is not commercial success. It is simply exercising the muscle. So very last question to you, and it is a question that we ask all of our guests, which is about career advice. So we ask all of our guests, what is a piece of career advice that you think would be useful for our listeners to hear and might help them in their squiggly career? Two words, pick yourself. The career of 2020 and beyond is not a series of jobs with painful unemployment in between. It is a series of projects. And if you can do a series of projects with one boss for the rest of your life, fine. If you can do projects with never having a boss, fine, but you make projects. You don't have a career that is a series of jobs that point to something. And the arc of your life can be defined by the scale and impact and quality of your projects. So go make some projects. So I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did. Please let us know what you think. You can do that on oh lots of places at Amazing If on Instagram. You can let us know there, kind of uh, follow us and then send us a message and then we'll see that. Or you can connect with me, Helen Tupper, on LinkedIn and send me a message there or just email us, whatever's easiest. That's at Helen and Sarah at uh, squigglycareers.com. But we'd love to hear what you think about this episode and any of the others that you've listened to as well. And as I said at the start, this is the last conversation in our Ask the Expert series. This was an idea that Sarah had towards the start of the year that just grew and grew, tends to happen with those ideas. And now we've spoken to 14 different people. So that's 14 different conversations about skills that we think are really valuable to invest in right now. Everything from purpose to psychological safety and from empathy to experimentation. They're all there for you. But we know that sometimes it might be hard to find those things. So I will put a playlist, like a podcast playlist on Instagram and then you can catch up on everything if you'd like to see the list of conversations in one place so thank you so much for listening and Sarah and I will be back with you next week on yet another topic to help you with your squiggly career bye everybody Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.